we've allowed the world to determine what loving your neighbor is. Welcome to the Bud Zone Podcast. I'm Bud, your host. The Bud Zone Podcast is for, from, and by saints, our buds in the faith. To edify one another in the faith and to encourage one another to love and good works. We discuss the world, we discuss the church, we discuss the faith, we discuss truth, and we do it with the mind of Christ. Thank you for joining us. And welcome back to the Bud Zone Podcast. This episode is actually part two of a conversation I began last week with my brother Rashad Hendricks, where we're discussing government and God. I hope that you'll find it encouraging and edifying. If you didn't get a chance to listen to part one, which dropped last week, go to christianpodcastcommunity.org. Look for the Bud Zone podcast webpage there. You can find the previous episode I recorded with Rashad and the other episodes that we have released so far. But thanks for listening. Hope you find this uh, enjoyable and encouraging. My, my conversation, my comments are not towards the, the realness of COVID-19. You know, it's more so just to the government's response to everything and how they're using it to accomplish something more nefarious. So the Mago Day, you know, are people created in God's image being treated with the dignity that they need to be treated if the government just decides, hey, I'm going to slap this muzzle over your face. I'm going to make you get this injected into your body, even if you don't want to, or risk threat of, 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 of monetary fines or jail time even. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just making that up. We've seen this. Stuff. No, no, absolutely. Or back to Frill's example, or I'm going to tell you just to stick this on the side of your head just because I want to and go and do your shopping. No, that's not treating people with dignity. And you pointed it out yourself. You know, uh, our body belongs to God. You know, the, the, um, we're created in his image. You know, we don't offer that in that way uh, to Caesar. In other words, Caesar just doesn't have uh, the ability to just decide to do what he wants to do with the individual. Mm-hmm. Right. And so um, I think that's one, one part of the, the, the argument. I think that's the greater argument. Again, uh, are we being treated uh, like image bearers of God need to be treated? I don't think telling uh, an individual walking on this planet or created an image of God that, if, hey, if we decree that you stick these on the side of your head and go about your business daily, that is not treating man with dignity. No. Or crawling around on the ground or, or uh, keeping children six feet away from other children or putting up plastic partitions uh, in between people and letting, you know, elderly people die alone in, in uh, medical facilities, you know, away no, from their families. It's completely inconsistent with that. But what it is, is it's totally consistent with the worldview of the culture and society and, and the government now, which is secular humanism. And, and we're products of Darwinian evolution. We're just animals. 
And so one of the things, and you mentioned it, which, you know, I wish I heard more sermons uh, on this. The Lord has brought this. He's brought this for a purpose. He's given those who have eyes to see the ability to discern what's going on. I mean, we've got men of Iskar. I think John MacArthur is one of those kinds of men who can see what's going on. Uh, This is the Lord chastising his church. It's the Lord judging the country. I think we see the judgment in, in the nation as a result, largely of the failure of the pulpits of the churches in the nation, the evangelical churches who have been off chasing pragmatism and church growth and all these other things, rather than proclaiming the full counsel of the word of God and a Christ-centered gospel. But the point you're making with the Mago Day is this is how a Christian should think about this. Uh, that's critical. That, that's important because we bear God's image. He owns us. We can't submit that to any other entity, institution, person. Uh, no, we are the Lord's. And that's, I, I think that's the greater argument of it. Uh, the, the lesser argument, we can talk about the Constitution and how the United States government is set up. You know, uh, separation of powers to create a balanced government. Uh, it's certain ways that laws come into being. Uh, certain things that the executive branch is allowed to do. Uh, then there's certain things that the legislative branch, the judicial, judicial branch. Uh, so you have that argument uh, from it as well. Would it be uh, constitutionally right for the government to just decide to say people need to put pinwheels on the side of their, their, their person, side of their head and walk around with it? That's going to go to that's going to go to court all day. Like this vaccine thing is going to go to courts. Oh, I've yeah. already seen a couple of vaccine uh, cases go to court. And I actually read a story uh, about a, a college. I want to say it was UVA. Don't quote me on that. You, you just, want to hear it. You just quoted it. <laughs> yeah, I quoted it. But you could be wrong. It was it was a college and the uh, that had a, a vaccine mandate. Some of the students who are uh, against taking this mandated vaccine threatened to sue the university and the university relented off of their threats to sue. So you're going to see uh, a lot of these things uh, as far as this vaccine goes, get tied up in courts uh, because, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, people, a lot of people know that this is not something that the government can just do. Yeah. You know. That's the lesser argument of, of Friel's uh, point. Uh, it it doesn't seem as if he knows, and I I want to say it respectfully. You know how the government of the United States is set up as yeah. a constitutional republic. They cannot just do what they do. They are servants that we select to represent us, and we're all under the the earthly uh, the authority of the United States Constitution. No, and that's you know largely. Friel's argument in, in that particular uh, video that he did, he's pointing to Romans 13. He's pointing to 1 Peter. But if you go there and to buttress the argument that you're making, it says the government is a servant of God. It's not the other way around. I mean, it uses that, uh, you know, do what is good and you will have praise from the same for it, meaning authority, the governing authority, for it is a servant of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it Mm -hmm. is a servant of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. But that's Mm -hmm. not happening now. 
And, and it's not happening constitutionally and certainly not uh, in concert with the word of God. It's inverted. We're in Isaiah, you know, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. So how's the Christian supposed to respond when everything has been inverted from the standpoint of, of truth and righteousness and even common sense, much less constitutionally? What's a Christian supposed to do when you have a government that's not doing what Paul there, there says in Romans 13, uh, applauding good behavior and punishing evil behavior? Yeah, and this goes back to what we, we talked about a little bit um at the very beginning, um, Romans 13 uses and first Peter two uses good, evil, evil doers, bad, good. Yeah. So it uses those words. So now we're automatically faced with, well, what do these words mean? So if we take the word good and we take the word evil, we, we know evil is something bad or good is something good. OK, well, it goes back to the standard is good and evil the standards of the government or the standard of God. Mm-hmm. So well, in other words, Romans you, 13 happens to be not too many chapters beyond Romans 2, which you cited earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So God, again, determines what is good and evil. So now we have a barometer. We have a measure that we can look and we can see uh, right and wrong from the correct lens, the standard of God. Right. Okay. So if we see a government, like Paul is mentioning, if we see a government that has inverted it, to your Isaiah point, if they're no longer uh, rewarding good, uh, good conduct, and if they are rewarding bad conduct and then uh, condemning good conduct, well, the Christian should not adhere to whatever it is that they're doing in that way. Now, I'm, I'm not speaking about physical violence. No, no, okay? no. Would never yeah, say. that. Yeah, that was that's I'm not even considering that. But we can disobey civilly and in a civil manner. Hey, no, Mr. Government man or worker or employee or legislator, this is wrong because God says this, or we know that there's an objective standard. God says this, this is wrong. You need to repent for that. So is the only exception to that, which Friel in his video points out, is the only exception to that when we go to preach the gospel in Acts 5, if they tell us you can't do that, then you get to disobey and that's okay. Or as he also makes the point, uh, if they ask you to do something that is sinful, what you're saying is that what Paul's written there in Romans 13 is not just carte blanche that we always do whatever they ask. Mm-mm. Everybody has a line. Freel will admit, and those who may agree with him will admit that there is a certain point to where you can disobey the government. Yeah. We all say that. But now we have to look and see where that line is. Is it is it just when they tell you not to preach the gospel or when they tell you to do something outright that's wrong or what? Well, we all agree that if they were to tell you not to preach the gospel, you disobey that. That's not even in the discussion. Right. But what if, what if they begin to ruin the careers of people? What if the government tells everyone to stay home, don't go to your jobs, we're shutting down your job, uh, no, you can't sell, you can't do this, you stay locked up in your home, two weeks to flatten the curve, uh, and if your job is open after this two or three weeks or however long is up, then okay, that's good. 
but most of these jobs that we saw that happen to ended up closing permanently. Yeah. Well, I can't say most, but a lot of the jobs ended up, uh, it was record numbers of unemployment when this was happening. Yes. So is a government doing good to its people when it stops their income source, stops families from being able to feed their household, pay bills, live in their homes? Is the government doing good, rewarding good? People just want to work and take care of their families and be left alone. But the government is stopping that. Yeah. In the meantime, the government is paying unemployment income to people who would rather not work and just sit home and just take unemployment income. Yeah. I've seen interviews where, you know, uh, the, the interviewer is asking the people, well, you know, um, do you have any plans on going back to get a job? And they said, well, no, I make 600 a week unemployment. This was back when it uh, it was 600 a week. I make more doing this just sitting home, you know, so no. So that's laziness. That's sloth. Uh, that's every other whatever words you want to use. They're rewarding good in that or rewarding evil in yeah. that way. But the people who just want to work and go earn an honest day wage is no way well, you, you, you got to stay home and you can't provide for your family. Yeah. And that's, you know? that's absolutely true. When this thing first hit, I mean, I'm in a small business uh, you know, warehouse construction and the Lord has blessed us because we're in Florida. There's still active construction going on. So, you know, I'm thankful for that. Well, when all of these, um, businesses started shutting down, I anticipated, in fact, discussed with my colleagues, we're going to have to deal with people coming to look for a job and we needed to hire, we still need to hire people. Um, and it didn't happen and it didn't happen because, they were being rewarded for unrighteousness. They don't want to work. There were incentives for them not to. Am I supposed to submit to a government that is creating that kind of environment? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the question, you know? Um, and that's why you saw a lot of people, even Christians uh, who I, I know personally who are small business owners, you know, when everything kind of just, you know, after and I'm not even talking about the first month or so of this whole thing. We were all cautious the, the first month or so, mm-hmm. you know, because we did what I believe was something that was wise. just to kind of pull back a little bit to see the threat of this thing. But yes. once we started to see everything come down, OK, this is enough of this. So there was a lot of Christian small business owners uh, who stayed open, you know, against the government's wishes. You know, because they did see, in my opinion, rightly, uh, as far as the government's authority in that way. Can the government deprive you of a right to live, to take care of your people, to to make a, a better living for yourself or, or to to chase some some dream for your family or whatever the case may be? Can they deprive you of that? No, they can't deprive you you know, of that. And it goes back again to. The standard, if, if God is the one who knits someone in his mother's womb and brings him into the earth for all intents and purposes, that is your right to live. He yeah. brought you into the earth. Sure. He did it. So it's not as if he brought you into the earth and then just decided to say, OK, well, I'm going to kind of step back like a deist, God, um, and just let the government have its way with you. Uh, I'm going to uh, Submit to them. Whatever they say is right. Whatever they say they can do to you, they can do. But it's on them. No. No, that government has to act in, in accordance to the standards of God. 
And when that government yeah. doesn't act in accordance with the standards of God, which ours hasn't for, I couldn't even pick a date. Yeah. Yeah. The duty of the church, the duty of the believer is actually contrary to submission. It's actually commanded to be a witness. We're to contend for the faith. We're to be pointing out exactly what you've pointed out. You're going to answer for this, whether yeah. you're a president or a senator or a mayor or whatever. You're under the same authority of God, not government. But mm -hmm. we're in a you know we're in a situation where the whole Imago Day thing. They think they own you, and so they can dictate what you can do, what you can't do, what you're required to put into your body, put on your body, uh, whether it be pinwheels or the muzzle <laughs> that you. Yeah. It seems to me, you know, you get to Romans 13, that is not unlimited, unquestioning, submit every time they say do something. Um, right. A fear that a lot of evangelicals have understood it that way, and, and it's not, in my opinion, helpful that Friel did what he did with this, because Scripture itself gives us so many examples of where there were edicts by Pharaoh or edicts by the king that were not submitted to by the faithful believers, um, and there are numerous ones. Uh, so there are examples in Scripture where believers, saints, saints who are in, in Hebrews 11 in the hall of faith, mm -hmm. there are mm -hmm. saints there who refuse to submit uh, to the governing authorities because they had a higher standard. They had the standard yeah. of God. They were owned yeah. by God. They knew God. Yeah. They believed God. And they obeyed God. Mm -hmm. but that's our higher standard. Yeah, uh, man. Mm -hmm. It goes back to that. What's the obvious examples? We got the Hebrew midwives. You know, they were they had an edict to kill those male children. Right. And what happened? They didn't do it. Why? It says very clearly and specifically, they feared God. Okay. They knew he was the ultimate standard. And they knew murder was wrong. I'm not going to do this against your edicts. Yeah. Rahab, like you mentioned in the Hall of Faith, Rahab, you know, she lied, but she hid the spies against the edict of the king yeah. in order to preserve life. Right. She hid those, those two spies in order to preserve life and was commended for it. You know, you've got Moses' parents who mm -hmm. hid him. Yep. And yep. it's littered. Yeah. Yeah. Scriptures. The, uh, the interesting one that I, I don't think a lot of people think about, Paul, who has written Romans 13 about submission, violated it himself. If you go to Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, uh, he's, he's kind of given his testimony, and he talks about how the king had issued an arrest warrant for him, and he escaped in a basket over the walls mm -hmm. to avoid the hands of his pursuers. That's not submitting to governing authorities. So there are circumstances where this is not carte blanche um, yeah. because there's a higher standard. God is that mm -hmm. standard. Christ is that yep. standard for us. Yep. And following along with Paul, you know, how many times did he appeal to his Roman citizenship? You know, yeah. they were trying to railroad him through their system. He knew that it was wrong and he knew that he had rights. Uh-oh. As a Roman citizen, hey, as a Roman citizen, I'm appealing to Caesar. I have a right to go see Caesar. That's what I want to do. I want to go to Rome and see Caesar. 
And of course, we know that's what happens. Yes. So scripture, but is littered again with these examples of Christians, you know, uh, uh, rebelling against these tyrannical kings and administrations. So Daniel, of course, well, we see Daniel again. Yeah. 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 Daniel. Daniel had the decree. Hey, as a matter of fact, Daniel could have just he could have left the doors closed and did the same thing. But he didn't alter his worship. Right. But the issue, you know, you haven't spoken to this. The real issue is love your neighbor. You know, we mm-hmm. shut down churches, and I agree with you early on before we, we had any kind of exposure to understanding and data about what this whole COVID thing and this this alleged pandemic, which I it is not a pandemic now. It's a pandemic, not a disease, but a fear. When it first hit, it was prudent. It was wise to be cautious to see what are we dealing with. But after not a terribly long amount of time had passed, it was evident that this was being politicized and uh, it was being used as a catalyst for all kinds of nefarious agendas that you, you mentioned earlier. Um, and then what we started hearing is love your neighbor, love your neighbor. And the culture yeah. is saying this, the culture is like, you, you just want grandma to die. Well, no, of course not. But that flowed so well into the church, into the pews. Well, yeah, we do need to love our neighbor. So mm-hmm. we do need to submit so you get all these things mixed together, and I think they are so nuanced and so so consistent with a, what we understand a Christian worldview to be that a lot of believers did not and still do not understand that, like you're arguing, they can't just mandate something out of the thin blue air. They, they can't do that for a multitude of reasons. But, but love your neighbor. How do you respond to somebody who says, well, you don't love your neighbor? Obviously— yeah. You're not, you're not virtue signaling with the muzzle, and I don't know what you're doing with or without the vaccine. It doesn't matter, but you're not doing those things. You don't love your neighbor. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I could tell you I'm not taking the vaccine because I don't want it. What we've done with the, the loving your neighbor thing is it flows out of the vein of what we've been discussing. We've allowed the world to determine what loving your neighbor is. Amen. Okay. So, hey, loving your neighbor is putting the mask on your face and staying six feet away from them and not going to see any different households. Uh, If you go see a different household, only stay two hours. Don't stay any longer than that. Uh, You have to stay six feet from these people and stand on these little circles in the grocery stores and make sure you're six feet. We've determined, we've allowed the government to tell us what loving our neighbor is. Yeah. Yeah. And so again, we've been, we've inverted everything. We've given the government the place that belongs to God and God is now subservient to the government. And we cannot allow the government to say that loving your neighbor Christian, by the way, we're pagans, but we're going to tell you what loving your neighbor is. And it's wearing this mask and staying six feet away and getting this shot into your arm, even if you don't want it, and shutting down your business and destroying your livelihood. Yeah. That's what's loving your neighbor. Yeah. I mean, just this week, I read of some church that you can't come unless you've got vax, you know, a, a vax card. Uh, it, it's just absurd. But what that means has happened in the church is that we've inverted the second great commandment over the first great commandment. 
because the first great commandment is tied directly to what you've said in, in our opening. God owns everything. We owe everything to him. We are owned by him. And he is gracious and loving and merciful, but he also commands us. He commands us to repent and believe, but he also commands us to obey his word. And the first great commandment is to love him, not love neighbor first. Those things are not contradictory, but when you invert them, yep. you suddenly lose the Christian worldview. And yep. it affects your walk. It affects your life. And it, it produces, I think, a spirit of fear in a, in a believer, um, yep. which is unnecessary. We have no reason to fear. We fear God. Right. So that's, that's an excellent point. Well, yeah. let's, uh, yeah. let, let me let you finish up with uh any closing thoughts but you're gonna come back and do this with me again right yes i will at be at least honored, until man. you get your own podcast going right yeah but i will be honored i will be honored if you would have me on again well uh, i've got notes we've got topics to discuss yeah, yeah uh, man. so so god and government i mean give us your closing observations we hit on the examples of the christians in um the bible who you know, uh, rightly uh, went against the decrees of governments. Uh, but something that I think maybe a lot of us are, haven't, we've read it in scripture, but maybe we've glossed over it, is we see evidences in scripture of governments when they attempt to usurp the authority of God, we see the result of them. And one of those examples that we're very familiar with is what happened with Nebuchadnezzar. Mm-hmm. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, he got up on his uh, uh, port portico or, or patio uh, once there. Um, and he says, you know, have I not built all of this by my hand and done all of these great things? I, I'm, look at me. I'm the government here. I'm King Nebuchadnezzar. And so when he was lifted up in himself, what happened? It says that the voice spoke from heaven and says sovereignty has been removed from you. From you. He had usurped the owner, the possessor, the creator of all, the sovereign, capital S, of the universe and placed himself in the seat that belongs to God alone. And we see what, what happened with him. And then uh, uh, he came to his senses at the end of those, those years yep. in the wilderness. They're crawling around with the dew dropping on them. But there was wrath and fury, mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. as Paul said. Yeah, yeah. And we also see the end of one uh, in Acts chapter 12 with Herod, you know, uh, oh, yeah. Herod there. Yeah. Yeah. Herod, uh, it says there in verse 21 on an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne and delivered an oration to the people. And the people were shouting, this is the voice of a God and not of a man. Okay. And it says immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. So this is another picture of a government. And I'm just using government, you know, as purpose as far as yeah, conversation. Right. That attempted to usurp and place itself in a position that belongs to God alone. And it says that the angel of the Lord immediately struck him down because he did not give God the glory. Right. 
there is only one sovereign. There is only one creator of all, owner of all, possessor of all. And every government that has ever existed, past, present, and future, is subject to this one. Is subject to this sovereign of the universe. And because of that, they are expected to govern in a way that conforms to what he says is right and wrong. Amen. They cannot just decide to do to God's people what they want to do and to anyone for that matter. But um, yeah, just to wrap it up, um, I am thankful, though, in this time. It is exciting times. I said that the other day. It's exciting times for us. Uh, I think you may have mentioned this to me also about how, you know, you could just so clearly see God's hand working yeah. uh, in a way that we haven't seen. This generation has seen nothing like what we're seeing now. Not at all. It and, is. Uh, and I, yeah. 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 And I'm thankful how we do see faithful brothers across. Uh, I'll just speak about North America, uh, like up in Canada. Um, you know, James Coates and Jacob Rumi uh, and some of the other pastors up there who uh, have de- rightly defied the government authorities yes. mandates on certain things have, have continued to meet and God is increasing them. Amen. We've seen it. They have overflows. They have to sit people outside. Now God has increased them. They understood rightly that worship of God comes first, like you said, and then love of neighbor. And so I'm just encouraged, uh, even though it may seem uh, like these times are, uh, well, they are unprecedented, even though it may seem you know, like, man, what is happening? Are, are we winning? You know, uh, we do see God has his faithful remnant. I was just reading Judges uh, 7, uh, uh, Gideon, you know, um, you know, God told him, hey, look, let's get the scary people out of here. Let's get the people who are afraid out of here. Whittle that, whittle that number down. And I, and I think it says, what was it, but uh, 22,000 left? Yeah. Or 11,000 left who were fearful or something like that. So um, I think that's what you see. You see God, you know, separating people and, and putting uh, people on different sides. And his remnant of people is being revealed. And um, we're victorious. We're victorious because Christ has already won. You know, the battle is already won. The victory is already won. You know, but just because he's already run, that doesn't mean that we just kind of just sit back and, well, I'm not going to do anything. He's already won. No, we'll, we're going to be judged, or the believers will, at the Bema seat uh, for what we did in his name. Yeah. So that's something that we just have to uh, uh, remember as Christians. Uh, but I'm, I'm honestly encouraged, man. Um, I thank God for what is happening in this country specifically uh, right now. And I thank him for. Uh, just continue to sustain me, continuing to sustain you and all the other faithful brothers and sisters uh, who I'm so encouraged by daily on Facebook. So, yeah, my prayer is that, you know, those who may differ in thought from from how we differ right now, who claim the name of Christ, that they would just see, you know, that they will see that, hey, listen, we have to understand there is only one sovereign. The leaders of this world do not have the ability or the right to treat people the way that they see fit. So that will be my prayer just to the, the, the church at large, uh, that we continue to, to scrounge and, and, and fight. And I use fight very loosely you know, uh, about the, these, these topics and these discussions. We, we need not shy away from it. 
No, uh, because we, we need to hash these things out and we need we need to debate about it. We need to talk about it um, as a church. We need to be aligned on this. It's it. brought to mind, uh, Paul, to the Colossians in, in chapter one, which is just, I mean, it's all tremendous. But this um, in verse nine, it says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So those folks that may not understand where we're coming from with this, that's what we would pray for them. Get, get in the word, know, know God, know what he has told us and revealed to us in his word, how he has worked through history in situations just like this and in some situations even worse than this. But I agree with you, brother. It's a glorious time to be a Christian. It is amazing to watch the Lord at work. We need to understand, you know, the fundamental call of Christ to the gospel is to deny yourself, take up your cross to live as Christ, to die as gain, we don't need to fear. We do need to expect trials and afflictions yeah. and persecution and suffering. This is what we're called to. But yeah. he gives us grace when those things come, and when we need that grace, he provides that grace. Our call is to be faithful. Amen. Yeah, yeah. And like Luther said, you know, um, one with God is a majority. So um, we we must get over this uh, uh, the this what I what could very well be fear of man. You know, um, well we're going to be ostracized here, or we're not going to be able to do certain things, or uh, we're not going to be able to hang out in, in certain people, or you know I don't want to ruffle feathers or whatnot. Uh, listen, one with God is the majority. Amen. You know, at the end of the day, we need to be faithful to His word, His standards, and the chips are going to fall where they may. Brother, I love you. Thank you. Um, we love do need too, to do man. this. Now, you got to tell me, though, what are you reading right now? Uh, I'm getting ready to get into some of the uh, the fourth century uh, writers. Um, I got a couple books by uh, Augustine, and okay. I got one by Athanasius uh, on the incarnation that I need to finish. Um, and then reading through the Minor Prophets. Uh, so you were, still, uh, you were still on, or are you still in the... Eternal submission of the sun issue? Or are you uh, that 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 is like a thorn in the side with me? Every time it seems like I'm kind of getting away from reading it or whatnot. I'm sorry, I brought um, Well, no, that's good because I, I, it it won't it won't go anywhere. Um, but to answer your question, not as a single focus as I've been. Okay. Um, because of all the things that are going on, but it it I it, it's right there. Lurking at the door, <laughs> like Genesis four. How seen it? It's, it's been another it's one. Right that you know yeah. about. Uh, it's ready to pounce at any moment. All right, well, brother, thank you. And that concludes this episode of the Bud Zone. The Bud Zone podcast is a member of the Christian Podcast Community, where you can find scores of biblically sound podcasts for your edification and encouragement. Go to christianpodcastcommunity.org to discover more. You are now leaving the Bud Zone. Thank you for listening. God bless you.
And just a reminder, no doctrines have been harmed during the recording of this show.